Amen. Thank you for entering in and singing. And just so you know, the Lord knows our hearts today, doesn't he? You know, we don't have to. Um, sometimes we struggle with coming up with words. I, I do. I just come up, come up with words to express praise to the Lord. And sometimes the best praise is just being still before the Lord. Being still, sometimes we feel like crying. And that's a good thing because Jesus comes to give life. It's a life that's not from the world. It's a life that comes from heaven, a life that is eternal. We've been studying the book of John, and we're already in the ninth chapter. But let me just help you give you a little bit of an overview before we dive into chapter 9. John's the gospel. One of the uh, uh, disciples' name was John. He was, he was close to Jesus. He was, he was the one who uh, knelt, uh, leaned over at the Lord's table. We understand Scripture that when Jesus said, one of, a, one of you is going to betray me, it was, it was probably John that he, he couldn't believe someone would betray him uh, our Lord, and especially it wasn't going to be him. And as it was a closeness with John. But John, um, John needed Jesus, just like the Bible says, every one of us can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. Uh, we can't earn enough uh, brownie points, goodie points, so to speak, in order to get to heaven. So John's gospel helps us Understand who Jesus is. The theme that runs through John is that whosoever believes, and we know as John 3.16, some of you probably can quote that, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's one of the main stays, one of the main uh, portions of Scripture. But over and over throughout the book of John, Jesus asked this question to a certain individual that he came to cross with, and particularly when it was dealing with a, uh, a healing or dealing with the, uh, their lifestyle. He would ask them, who do you believe? Do you believe who I am? And so we're going to look at a story today that uh, in chapter 9 of John that Jesus is going to heal. He heals a blind man. And this man has been blind since birth. And so I'm going to read a portion of this scripture to help us get this setting. And as he passed by, that means Jesus, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. That was, that's an interesting portion of Scripture because the, the people, especially of that day, would equate, if you had an illness, if you had a sickness, there's something going on, there's sin that's going in your life. And Jesus clarifies it's not the, it, that's not the reason this man was born blind. Rather, it was in order that the works of God might be displayed. In other words, God takes our weaknesses, our imperfections, our sin, and he takes away our sin when we come to Jesus, and he's able to heal our bodies of anything because he is God. He is a healing God. 
a God that cares about us. And so he goes on and we read, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground, made clay of spittle, and applied uh, the clay to his eyes and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. I don't know about you, but that's kind of a different way of manifesting healing. Makes spittle, uh, spits at the ground, makes, makes some clay and smears it on the man's eyes. Kind of different, right? What's up with that? Well, if Jesus asked you uh, to go and wash it off, and you've never seen before, and really it really wouldn't matter because you couldn't see anyway, right, as you went to the pool. And so as he goes to the pool and begins to wash that dirt and that mud and that clay, what begins to happen? He begins to see. I don't know what it would be like to see for the first time, having never seen anything up until then. Wow. This man was changed. This man's eyes were open. And we're going to see, not only was his physical eyes open, but his spiritual eyes were open. His inner man, his soul person, came alive in understanding who Jesus is. And Jesus will ask him that question later on. Now, this really upset religious folks of the day. The religious folks were the Pharisees. And Sadducees, we've said it this way, because they were Sadducee. Did you catch that? All right, just a little humor. Tell me, guys, got to loosen up a little. Pharisees were people who studied the law, and they tried to live according to every letter of the But the problem was they couldn't live good enough. And then they would find fault. Oh, You did this. You broke the Sabbath. You wretched sinner. Oh, one of them even beat his breast as he was praying. He said, I'm thankful that I'm not like this man. Wow. What was going on? They had an attitude. They had become religious, but not very much of a relationship. And there's the difference. God's word never uh, changes. God never changes. He said, I will write my law upon their hearts. There's a difference. God's law came. It was written on a stone. Moses came down from a mount, received the Ten Commandments. Then they were to live by it. But later on, the Bible says, I will write my laws upon their hearts. The difference is this. Jesus comes into our heart to live inside of us so that we no longer are just trying to do it on our own, that what we're trying to do is live through Christ. Amen? You and I can't live good enough to be acceptable. Therefore, the Redeemer, the Lord himself. John's gospel described them this way. He became flesh. In other words, God came down into this world to the Virgin Mary. As we know the Christmas story. He was born. 
into this world to grow up and become the sacrifice for the, all the sin of the whole world. For whosoever believeth in him shall not perish. So now, this man didn't know anything about that. You know what the good news is? You don't have to know everything to get Jesus in your heart. Amen. You don't have to know all the verses. The Bible says that whosoever believeth, all you have to do is admit your need. All you have to do is say, all right, all right, I, I know, I'm a, I can't, no way can I live good enough. The Bible says that every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And see, so the difference is the one that knows that and then does something about it comes to Jesus. Then one that says, like my friend I was talking to a couple of months ago, well, I suppose I'll just go to hell because of, of all the bad things I've done. I said, wait a minute, no, you don't have to live that way. You don't have to live with that hopeless feeling. Accept ye, believe. He comes to take away the sin. Amen. He comes to take our sin. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. So first is the accusation. The Pharisee, well, who sinned? What's... What's going on? This, this man has to be a sin. It was much like the story about the man. Of, have everybody heard of Job? If you read the Bible and you go, Job? Wow. Whoa, Job. Okay, he's, a, he's one of the ancient people. He's one of the ancient persons that God tested. Wait a minute. I thought when I accepted God in my life that everything's going to be great. Wait a minute. The Bible doesn't promise us that we're going to have an easy road. That, in fact, we're going to be tested. Well, whoever wants to live a godly life shall be persecuted. What the great news is, if we keep on trusting and walking with Jesus, we're going to go to a place like we sang in the song, In My Father's House. We sang, we really, what we were using was John's Gospel, chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. It is in the heart of God to find people that need him. He is seeking out for a heart who needs him today. And this man was blind couldn't see physically, but something happened. The Pharisees, as I mentioned, begin to be riled. They begin to, we've got to find this man. So now I'm skipping down. They go to his parents, verse 9, and question them, saying, Is this your son who you say who was born blind? And how does he see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He shall speak for himself. Yeah. Here's what happens. The second time, verse 24. 
They called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. What he, what he referred to, the Pharisee, this, Jesus, he is a sinner. Because why would, would anyone heal a person on the Sabbath? Right, the Sabbath. You did no work. You did absolutely nothing on the Sabbath. Verse 14, it was a Sabbath at the day when Jesus made the clay. That was the issue. That was the issue of the religious people. But Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's Lord over it. He's Lord over all. He's Lord over all people. And so now, whether he's a sinner, I love how this man answers. Verse 20, this is the blind man. Open, that was, uh, his eyes were open. This is how he answers. Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that where I was blind, but now I see. No one can take Jesus out of your heart. You, when you've had an experience with him, you have a testimony. And they can put you in jail. They can try to make you change. Many people are persecuted today for their faith. There are, there are those who are giving their lives for their stand for Jesus. You see what lies on the other side is heaven. Eternal life with him. And no one can take away what Jesus has done. Unless you allow them. Unless you begin to walk away from him. But I'm here today to encourage you. When you take a step toward Jesus. The Bible says he draws near to you. I believe he takes more than one step. When we take one step. I think he's taking ten steps or more. Because he's ready for you to make that decision. He's wanting you to understand that you, uh, you cannot save yourself. So Jesus did a marvelous thing. In verse 35, there again, he asked this question. Jesus heard that they had put him out. In other words, they tried to cover out. They didn't want people to know about what happened in a miracle that happened to this man's life. He said, Jesus asked him the question, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in who I am? He answered, said, and who is he? Lord, that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, see, he hadn't seen Jesus yet. He didn't see the man who made the clay and applied it to his eyes. And Jesus answered and said, and who is he, Lord, and I may, or rather the man. Jesus says to him, you have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you now. And he said, the blind man that used to be blind, said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. The transformation took place at the moment he understood who Jesus was and is. Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see me may see, and that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and said to him, we're not blind too, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains. You see, what is, what is he saying? He's saying to the Pharisees, you believe you're saved because of your self-righteousness. You believe that you're going to get into heaven because you're keeping the letter of the law, but 
I don't know you. You don't know me. There's no relationship. There's no invitation. The Bible says in Isaiah that he, he invites everyone to come. You don't have to have money to become a Christian. You don't have to have this sort of the, the dress. You don't have to have any of that. You don't have to have uh, all your stuff in order. You just simply come as you are and gee, you come blind. You come without the understanding, but you know this. There's enough that Jesus, and you begin to believe that who he is, and then you become born again. You see, what's happened throughout history is the Bible says the God of this world, what he's saying, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says that the God, the small G-O-D, not the God that we talk about, but the small letter G-O-D refers to Satan. And so what Scripture says is that Satan has blinded so many, especially to the Jewish nation. Paul was referring to those who were God's chosen people. And Paul described in that text that the, like a veil over their face. They can't see Jesus as being the Savior. In the book of Romans, I believe it's the book of Romans, it says there's a time period for this to be. Because God is warning Gentile, that's all the other people's tongues, tribe, and nations, other than the Jewish people that are called by God, to come to know him. It's a period of time, and we are in that period. And Paul described in Romans that we are grafted in. We are adopted by God the Father. That we don't, we don't, have, uh, we don't have it in us. We, don't have no, we have no way to become his heir now except the Jesus Christ. Christ comes, pays the price, the penalty of our sin. And we are made sons and daughters of our Lord and Savior. He whom, are we saying that he whom the Son has set free? That comes straight out of John. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. This blind man, oh, he was blind physically, was blind spiritually. But his spiritual Eyes were open. Over in the book of Ephesians, that Paul writes to the church of Ephesus, and he's praying this prayer. In fact, he is praying for people that are already believers. He's, they're already saved. They're already on the road with the Lord. But he's praying this prayer, and I'm going to read a portion of it. Because when we accept Jesus, that's the starting point. Now we learn how to walk with him. In other words, we become his disciple. We are learners together. We learn little by little. And God, the Holy Spirit, God says, and actually Jesus, when I go, when I leave this earth, when I'm crucified, when I go back to heaven, I'm going to send a helper. Guess who the helper is? The Holy Spirit. How does Jesus live in our heart? The Holy Spirit. 
How can Jesus be everywhere at once, all over the world? The Holy Spirit comes to live in the believers. Now, Paul is praying this prayer to the believers, for the believers. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing. That's a lot of stuff that I'm not even going to keep reading because it's just a lot to digest. In other words, I'll boil it down. Jesus wants us to know him so that we can learn how to walk with him so that we can have a purpose while we're here on the earth. Some of you guys are maybe construction workers. Some of you guys have been in military. Some of you guys have been in other ways of serving. Doesn't matter. However, whatever the Lord's given you, whatever's been placed in your hand, do it with all your might as unto the Lord. And it becomes a tool to be used in our world to present the light of the gospel. People around us, all around this world, are looking for someone that, that is real. Are you authentic? And you see, Jesus was real, and he is real. And he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Though he's not necessarily on the earth today, he is by his spirit. The same Jesus that came into this blind man's life is the same Jesus that is walking even in our midst today. He's in the service. He's in the people's hearts here today. How do you know that? Because whosoever believeth shall be saved. Whosoever believeth. And we ask the Lord, his, his revelation described our Lord standing on the outside of a door knocking. Standing there knocking. Whosoever opens that door and lets him in, he will come in. That's a, that's a scripture that tells us Jesus is nudging upon our hearts. That he wants to come into our hearts. He wants to be the Lord of our life. Not only understanding that we need him as our Savior, that we understand him, that he comes to be our Lord. What does that all mean? What it comes down to is that he is in control. He's in control. And when I know, when I try to make things happen in my own self, I end up frustrated and discouraged. But when I surrender to Jesus... His word says he works all things together for good. He takes even negative things. This blind man, I'm no doubt he had a hopeless feeling. How would he ever get through life? He'd have to beg for his food. He'd have to go from just barely making it expecting someone else to hand him something, being led by others, lest he fall and be hurt. But this man, was, his eyes were open, and especially 
the greatest gift of all, that his hearts, his, the eyes of his hearts, heart was opened, and he understood that Jesus is who he said he is. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. You know what the good news is? That he's coming back. We don't know the day or the hour. The Bible says that the, 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 there's going to be a shout, the voice of the archangel, that there's going to be a trumpet, a loud blast. And it said the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and they who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord. Oh, man. Is that a win-win? You see, this life, oh, my, how am I, how am I, I'm understanding how short it is. Some of you are wondering how old I am. I'm just shy of 60. Wow. Just to say that makes me feel old. But it doesn't matter. We're going to live forever. This young man is Scott. How old are you, Scott? Nine? I'm so proud of you. And you're going to get baptized today. And your mom and your sister what a great decision. You see, Scott has a, a childlike faith. I recognize that him at, the, at our house. Just explain the scriptures. Yeah, I want to do that. I want Jesus. No matter how old we are, we're children. In fact, Jesus said, unless you become like a child. What did he mean? Unless you're like a child who just simply believes. If we try to be religious and try to wear the garments, oh, we do this and this. That's not saying that you shouldn't do good things, but they will never get you to heaven. It's he who has come to set us free. It's he, the one who gave his life, but they, they nailed him to the cross. Shed his blood and agonized over the joy set before him. And so the last words before Jesus ascended back to heaven was this. He told his disciples to go into all the world. Go into every place in this world and make disciples. He says, then baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the baptism is a symbolic Stand a public statement. I am identifying with Jesus who died to himself, who died in the cross and was resurrected, coming up out of the water, resurrected to a new life with him. As a young boy myself, I answered the the, the invitation to Jesus. I was probably even a little younger than you, Scott. I can't exactly remember. Six, maybe seven. But I remember Jesus. I remember his presence. And said, no one can take him out of my heart. No one can take him from me. And our goal here as a church is to help people understand that you come just as you are. 
You don't have to be a member of the church. You just simply believe on the Lord Jesus 